When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome along to Football Digest with myself, Ned Keaton, and I'm joined today by Connor Bromley. And Connor, we're going to do things a little bit different, of course, first of all. Anyone watching along, listening along might be expecting uh, John Cross, Jeremy Cross and Andy Dunn. Uh, much like this morning, it's half term, so we've given them the week off, um, like they used to do with Holly and Phil and Fern and whoever she was hosting with back in the day. And you've got the substitute presenters in instead, the guys that normally do <laughs> once a week. We're now here again for a second time this week. Uh, but that's not the only different thing that we're going to do as well today, Connor. We are going to go in-depth on a match. We are going to go very in-depth on the Carabao Cup final uh, this weekend. Chelsea and Liverpool facing off at Wembley on Sunday. Um, and kind of just, we'll start off by looking at the game itself, rather, you know, the kind of final and what it means to teams, rather than kind of looking at, at you know, the kind of analysis of it so far. But the, the final itself, it's the first bit of silverware, first bit of major silverware for most teams this year. Of course, Manchester City uh, had the opportunity to go and win the Club World Cup back in December. But for most teams, most of the time, it's the first bit of major silverware that they can win. Going back in, in the annals of history, Pep Guardiola has always put a, a fair amount of, of uh, importance on winning the competition, much like Jose Mourinho did at Chelsea. They, they both were of the belief that winning this competition can set you up for a very, very successful season. Are they right? Were they correct? Could it set you up for a successful season? Is that the reason why they took it so seriously in the past? And we're starting to see more and more teams, you know, Liverpool and Chelsea reaching the final this year, of course, taking it seriously as the years go on too. I think so. I think it it's an important competition, particularly when you get to this stage. And that's obvious because it's a final. But I think you look at some teams and maybe, it's not that they don't take it seriously, but they use it as an opportunity to put in, you know, fringe players, younger players who want minutes. You see, for example, Aaron earlier this season, Man City put in Oscar Bob, I think at Newcastle away, and that was kind of the first time we'd really seen him play and start a game and look at him now and he's beginning to get in the Man City team. So you, you see teams use it like that. But I think this year in particular, I think it's very interesting because you've got so many storylines. You've got Chelsea, the club that's had a, a disastrous couple of years, you know, I really, well, just since that takeover, really, it's just been a, a shambles, hasn't it? But this is them back in, you know, talking about competitions. They've got Mauricio Pochettino who hasn't won a trophy uh, in, in England, even though when he was at Spurs, he had a pretty good team and, and probably could have won something then. So you've got that angle of it. Chelsea showing themselves, coming back, being a big team again who, who can win trophies. But then you've got Liverpool who have got Jurgen Klopp who's leaving at the end of the season. And, you know, we know that they're going hard for the Europa League and the Premier League and the FA Cup. But this could be the only thing they win this season. You know, that there's a real big possibility that this is the only final they make this season. It's a, you know, big possibility that if Man City or Arsenal have a really good end of the season and Liverpool drop points, maybe they're not going to be in the title race for two or three games to go. So for Liverpool, this is massive because this could actually be the crowning final moment, you know, that we look back on in the Jurgen Klopp reign 
as the last thing that he won as Liverpool manager, but the last thing he won as a boss. So I think this Carabao Cup final is, to me, feels extra special, even though it's, it's a rerun, you know, which we'll talk about, but it feels extra special because there is good storylines around the game. It, it just feels like a big game. You said it feels extra special, of course. The, the funny thing here is, is that we've got a rerun of the final that we had only two years ago. Um, and I know that they say you never dip your toe in the same river twice, but you couldn't have expected things to be so vastly different between in, in the space of just two years. We know football moves quickly, but you know Chelsea have not just a new owner since they were last in that final. Um, they've been through three buses at least, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Graham Potter, Frank Lampard and, and Mauricio Pochettino since Thomas Tuchel was in charge back in 2022. Um Practically an entire new eleven. I think there's, you know, perhaps Ben Chilwell might be the only one uh, of that squad still around that, that could be fit and available to play at the weekend. Of course, uh, Reese James on the sidelines as well. Oh, Thiago Silva, of course, as well. How could I forget about him? But there's, uh, you know, a lot of change in that Chelsea squad. And likewise with Liverpool as well, you know. Uh, we'll come on to them a little bit more about Liverpool 2.0 in a second, but that's what Jurgen Klopp's calling this year. This is a very different squad. And, you know, without Jordan Henderson and no Sadio Mane, no Roberto Firmino, it's only been two years since these two last faced each other in this cup final. But it just feels so vastly different for both of them this time around. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's a vastly different final because anybody who watched the final a couple of years ago, it was it was an awful game. And then we had a repeat in the FA Cup final as well, which was also an awful game. So hopefully if we do get a penalty shootout, it's after a 3-3 draw or something exciting. Um, but yes, I think both teams, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? That they're both completely different. Liverpool, I would argue, are, are certainly more stable. You know, in the two years, they maybe haven't had quite as dramatic a change as Chelsea. Liverpool's been more of a, a, a rebuild, whereas Chelsea's been a complete, another, you know, grenade to the whole thing and then rebuilding it and, and still trying to rebuild it. Now it feels like, you know, the, the team's, are in a different place, but Chelsea in particular are obviously in a, in a very different place. And I think looking back to that 2022 final, I don't think anybody could have guessed, particularly with Chelsea, not so much Liverpool, but with Chelsea, that things would be so different for them now. And you wonder as well if Thomas Tuchel had won one of those finals, you know, the, the Carabao, the FA Cup, maybe his you know Chelsea run might not have ended as soon as it did. I mean, I think the, the owners, Todd Bowley, he seemed committed to making that change at the start of last season. But you do wonder if, if they'd won a trophy, if maybe that would have been less likely to happen. So I think that them two games for Chelsea at, at the end of the 2021-22 the season, I think they were very, very important to the to what we've seen since because they didn't win either of those trophies. And it was, it was fine margins. It was a penalty shootout. You know, it, it was harsh that they lost both of them games in the same manner. Um, but yeah, I just think it's it's fascinating how different things are with these two, you know, greats of English football and how much has has changed in this you know, such a little amount of time in two years. You know, football just moves so quickly. And you know, I think for Liverpool, as I said before, it's a it's a rebuild. You know, they they slowly change things. They, they they've kind of this past summer had to accelerate that a little bit, which is obviously why Jurgen Klopp's leaving. Um, but they've got the consistency of Kloppy and then you know that they're going to be, I know they've got a, a million injuries, but they're going to be so fired up for this game at the weekend. Just finally, uh, as, a, as a more general point on the final, where does the Carabao Cup rank for players now in, in this current 
you know, careers in players, when they look back on the trophies that they've won, what would they look at when they see a Carabao Cup in there? Of course, it's always nice to win a trophy, but for me, at least anyway, um, and definitely for the you know, past couple of decades, I think it's definitely felt like there are bigger fish to fry for players and that they're kind of, you know, it's a nice trophy to win and it's great to have a trophy in the cabinet. I'm sure Harry Kane wouldn't have been too upset if he had a couple during his uh, Spurs career and he had chances. He, he had the chance in 2015 and 2021 and I'm sure he wouldn't have turned them down. But at the same time for, for other players and, you know, that all-conquering Man City side, for example, yes, it might set them up for a successful season, but I doubt these medals maybe have a brighter place over the Champions League medals and the Premier League medals that they've got. I mean, you're probably right there. In terms of an honour, you know, it is the lowest one or the, the least prestigious one you could win, you could maybe argue. But I would like to throw that actually back at you, Ned. I mean, you're a Tottenham fan. You were the, well, you would have been a Tottenham fan in 2008 when they won the League Cup. I would imagine that must be one of your fondest memories supporting Spurs. It is, and we'll come on to that perhaps a little bit more in depth at the end of the show as well, where we'll talk about our favourite Carabao Cup memory. So you look at me being a nice little tease there and trying to keep people to stick around toward the end. But um, yeah, I mean, we haven't had much to cheer about as Tottenham fans, let's be honest. I've not seen us win many trophies, and I'm sure I would take a, a Carabao Cup as well. But it's just in, the, in that kind of, you know, even it's... It's where it comes in the season, I think, as well, in that because you've got so much left to play for afterwards. You know, I mean, look back at you know 2011, for example, when Birmingham City won it, and then they went on to get relegated that season. You know, I think you ask most. I, I even think if you ask most Birmingham City fans that yeah, they would have enjoyed that day, but if they could have picked finishing runner up to Arsenal in the Carabao Cup and staying up in the Premier League. I'm sure I'll probably get told off, maybe get told off in the comments on this one, but I think they would have picked staying up that year. 100% I think they would have picked staying up that year. So that's where it kind of ranks. And I think because it's so early in the season, there's so much left to play for it kind of, I don't know, it, it, you know, the FA Cup and everything else is all decided at the end of the season. Um, and I think that kind of plays a factor on this as well. And where kind of teams, clubs and players rank this as a competition to win. Well, going back then, I suppose to your original question of what it means to these two teams in particular, you know, we kind of touched on this before, but, I think for Chelsea, this is. I think this is a bigger game for Chelsea than what it is Liverpool. I think for Liverpool, it's it's big because of the story around Jurgen Klopp. But I think for Chelsea, if they were to win this game, I think a it, it lifts a ton of pressure off Mauricio Pochettino, and it also means that he can get rid of that little monkey on his back around not winning a trophy in in England. And also, to be honest, his whole career, he's not been a trophy laden manager, has he? So this is huge for him. In that sense, I think for Chelsea and their squad, I think they've got a lot of younger players, haven't they? And they're rebuilding that team. I know, obviously, you know, like Enzo Fernandez has won the World Cup, so maybe he's not too worried about the Carabao Cup. But at a club level, this is a chance for these players to win something at club level for probably the first time, and certainly the first time in England, which I think is really significant, you know. And I think that for Chelsea in particular, winning this game would really just ease pressure on that football club because I think you can't underestimate, you know, their fan. I mean, I know, you know, boohoo Chelsea fans, you know, I'm sure it's been terrible doing so well these years and then having to deal with a couple of mid-table finishes. But Chelsea fans expect their team to be competing for honours and, and expect their team to be pushing for the, the, the Premier League title, never mind the top four. And they have had two years of, you know, for them, real pain, you know, really disastrous you know in pretty much every sense and this is a chance for them to show that they're on the comeback and I think Chelsea fans you know maybe when they were winning everything sort of 10 years ago might have scoffed at the idea of winning the Carabao Cup being you know majorly important to them but right now that's where they are and 
you know, it is, it's, it's very, very significant for them. And it would be the start you would hope for them of, of, of a journey where they can get back to being a, a main contender for all the major honors. So I think this means a lot to Chelsea. I think for Liverpool, it's to do with the Klopp storyline, isn't it? You know, and I think that's why it's important to them. Well, sticking with Liverpool now for this next section, and we'll start off, as you said there, with the Klopp storyline. Uh, something that you've touched on already this morning on the podcast is that there's all this talk about Liverpool, has been all this talk about Liverpool potentially winning the quadruple uh, to, to end the Jurgen Klopp reign. But there's still plenty of work to do and a long, long way to go in that Premier League title race. And as he said there, you know, I mean, Liverpool were behind for, for vast periods of their game against Luton before turning them around in the second half and going on to, to win comfortably in the end and boosting that goal difference. So it's again, could be crucial. But work to do in the Premier League, still lots of work to do in the Premier League. Um, and work to do in the FA Cup and, and the Europa League as well. You know, plenty of rounds still to navigate for Liverpool just to even get to a final, to give themselves another chance. This is the only certainty in play at the minute for Liverpool, knowing that a win on Sunday will at least give them that chance to end Jurgen Klopp's era at Liverpool with one trophy as a minimum. Does that increase the pressure? Because there is, you know, the club are wanting, you know, Jurgen Klopp to, to leave on a high. The players will want him, the fans will want him. Klopp himself will want to leave on a high by winning at least a trophy, if not two, three, maybe even four. Does it put the pressure on Liverpool knowing that this could be that last chance? We don't know what's going to happen in the Europa League, in the FA Cup, and of course the Premier League as well. Plenty of twists and turns, surely, to come in those competitions between now and the end of the campaign. We don't know what's going to happen there. This is the one certainty, perhaps, that Liverpool have, that one certain chance to make sure, win on Sunday, we have at least one trophy in the bag for Klopp in his final season. I would agree. I think there is a, there's an element of, of the pressure there. I think as well, the fact that they're playing Chelsea, who are not having the greatest of season, who Liverpool, you know, really you know, embarrassed earlier in the season at Anfield. I think there's a, a little bit of pressure there because the expectation is Liverpool are heavy favourites for this game. There's no beating around the bush for that. Liverpool should win this game, should probably win this game if that a fully fit squad, to be fair. But they should probably win this game, you know, 2-0, something like that. It should be a, a comfortable-ish afternoon for them. So I think that there is certainly an element of pressure with that when they met two years ago the two games they played in there was nothing between either side and I would imagine there was no favorite outright favorite there was no obvious favorite at that time now it's a little bit different in the sense that Liverpool are so obviously far ahead of Chelsea in terms of where they are as a team so I think there is pressure on Liverpool in that sense and I think the fact that this if we're being honest if you were probably putting bets on, not really a betting man, but if you were putting bets on, there's a strong chance that this is the only final Liverpool get in this season. You know, they've got to navigate through the FA Cup. You've got to navigate through the Europa League and them horrible Thursday night games. So this is possibly the final chance to see Jurgen Klopp at a, at a major final, possibly the final chance to see him at, at Wembley Stadium. So th- there's a massive amount of pressure with that. And I think the players... May, it may be the first time the players have kind of had that sink in that this is actually Klopp's final hurrah because this is going to be the possibly the last chance to see him at Wembley Stadium. And I, and I wonder if that maybe adds into a bit of emotion to the game because I think 
after the announcement was made of Jurgen Klopp, I think they played Norwich in the FA Cup and there was a, a big feeling of sentiment around that game. But since then, I think that's it's kind of went in the background, hasn't it? But I think this weekend will be the first time it rears its head properly again because we know that this could well be the last time we see Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool team play at Wembley Stadium in a major final. On Liverpool's injury list, I'm not sure you've mentioned it yet today on the, the show. I don't think anyone's mentioned it yet on the show yet about Liverpool's injury list, but it is it is fairly vast. Um, you know, you can combine it online and you kind of see yourself just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling going through the list of names. But, you know, Joel Matip, Diogo Jota, Alisson, Trent Alexander-Arnold all confirmed out. Doubts over Dominic Shaboshlai, Darwin Nunez, Mohamed Salah, Curtis Jones. I mean, you're well on the way there to naming a very, you know, probably almost a starting eleven for a cup final there, aren't you? You know, just need three more injuries elsewhere. wonder if some Liverpool fans might actually have to bring their boots and something just to fill out the, uh, the, the bench as well. But... It's a it's a it's a worry for Liverpool, isn't it? Having this long injury list and the list of players that they are, you know, all talented players that they've they've got concerns around for going into this final. Um, and and you know, definitely highlighted in midweek with the lack of attacking options for sure to come off the bench as Liverpool tried to turn it around against Luton. And you kind of go in there and you're looking at the names, and you know, there's not many others to come off the bench. Liverpool don't really have much of a choice, do they, when it comes to naming their starting eleven? It pretty much names itself. Maybe perhaps they'll swap in Ibrahim Konate at the back for Jarrell Kwanzaa. But that's probably about the only change that we're going to see in this Liverpool side from the win over Luton because they are so stretched at the minute because of injuries. It's it's weird, isn't it? It's kind of felt like this injury list has crept up. You know, I, I think you looked at the Liverpool team announced last night and I sort of raised an eyebrow. I think not sort of being in the context of Liverpool at the time and not necessarily seeing Jurgen Klopp's press conference, just sort of looking at that going, oh, is he resting players for the weekend? You know, that that's how sort of weak that start 11 looked. It's it's interesting. I think it's, it's another fascinating element of this game to see that Liverpool don't have necessarily the team that you would expect to play. I think from the Chelsea perspective as well, they are preparing possibly now for a different game. I think in some ways it's almost easier if you know Liverpool's eleven and you know exactly how they play and you know what they did to you at Anfield earlier in the season and you can prepare for that. Whereas now, I don't know if Chelsea, if they're in training, can 100% know what this Liverpool team are going to do. So there's an interesting element there. Um, But it's, I think it's a shame for the the neutral fan to see, you know, potentially, especially players like, you know, if Mo Salah and Shaboshlai in particular, them two players, they're players that I really enjoy watching. It's a shame if they're not going to play um, in the final because they're just such exciting players to watch. But obviously for Liverpool, you know, they're two of their best players. You know, you, you would look at them and say they could be difference makers if they make it. And you wonder if their doubts does that mean there's a strong chance of play? I mean, you would imagine both of those players, if they're able to run and kick a ball, they'll, they'll definitely give themselves a chance of at least being on the bench. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those two and Darwin Nunes as well, you know, to, to get a start or at least play a significant part in the game. But it's it's a shame from a neutral perspective that it's going to be a, a sort of half Liverpool side. You know, it's not going to be the full Jurgen Klopp uh, team, but that being said, last night against Luton, they didn't have that full team, and they were able to have a pretty amazing second half and get the Anfield crowd on the side. So they can do that, you know. It's just the Liverpool thing and the Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp they're capable of finding those performances even when they have injuries. I suppose this question is a little bit easier given the fact that the injury list is so long. So picking the players that 
we know are fit now for the final at the minute um, hopefully Liverpool's injury list doesn't grow between now and Sunday uh, with any injuries in training ahead of the final but looking at that starting 11 that expected starting 11 for Liverpool and, and everything else who would you see as the danger men in this Liverpool side who are the ones that Chelsea have to look out for for me I think you're probably going to end up agreeing here because it is so depleted because it is so injury riddled realistically you're looking at Luis Diaz as being a man who could win the match for Liverpool on Sunday let's see Luis Diaz Cody Gakpo you know the two players who are I, I would say certainly in attacking sense the best Liverpool players but I mean, they've still got players across the field who are very good you know Alexis McAllister you know he's he's not a a poor footballer, is he? You know, he, he's a very, very good footballer. Graven Birchu, I think we've not necessarily seen the best of since he's went to Liverpool, but he'll be, you know, if he starts, I would suspect that he'll be a problem for Chelsea. I think for Liverpool, it's defence and goalkeeper, isn't it? You know, that's where I think they're going to be hurt most. I know they're lacking the the, the quality sort of up front, but not having Alisson, that's, that's a big blow for the way that they play. Not having Trent, that's a big blow as well. You know, if they have to play Joe Gomez at fullback, that's not ideal. Um, but that team should still probably have enough to to get past the Chelsea side, who you know aren't. We've seen that Chelsea can drop poor performances this season, so I think Liverpool would still fancy themselves even with this injury list. moving on to Chelsea now and we've spoken about how much of a a rebuild they've been under since they were last in this final in 2022 and of course Todd Burley being the uh, the new owner and kind of spearheading that change at Chelsea and overseeing such a big transfer outlay and a big turnover in the team as well for this new Chelsea I think is is probably the best way to look at it draw the line under the Abramovich era this is a new Chelsea a new club almost how important is it for this Todd Burley era to get that first trophy in the bag as a sign of perhaps progress that they are moving forward that what they're doing is right they have made the right choices they might have taken a bit more might have been a bit more painful perhaps to get to this stage but what they are doing can perhaps be validated by getting that first trophy it's a platform isn't it you know if they, if they win this game at the weekend it's, it's a real platform and I think it will give the support as maybe more patience with what's happening at Chelsea because I think we can all admit that the I would almost say it's like an experiment, isn't it? What what they've done since they've went in there, the new owners at Chelsea, they've they've tried to sort of rewrite the rule book on how to build a football club. They've went very, very young. They've handed out interesting contracts uh in the way that they're structured. And it hasn't worked so far that they've, they've we've mentioned before, you know, this is the third manager they're on since Thomas Tuchel left and that was you know only 2022 they were in this final so the, there's been such a change and a change of path and whatnot I think it's it's really important for Chelsea that they target and win this competition you know I think this is what the aim was at the start of the season Mauricio Pochettino said it they wanted to win in domestic competitions they know that it was going to be really difficult for them to challenge at the top end of the Premier League and, and we've seen that you know to be brutally honest we've seen that they're not one of the better teams in the league that capable of, of just playing terribly in games you'd expect them to win they've dropped silly points all season but the fact of the matter is is Mauricio Pochettino I would imagine was given a target at the start of the season to win a domestic competition and they're here 
you know, they've got a chance of winning a domestic competition. So no matter what happens, if they win this competition right now, I think it gives Michio Pochettino a massive amount of breathing space. It gives him possibly, you know, another year or so to really implement what he's doing. You know, if Chelsea finished 13th this season and didn't win a trophy, maybe there would be questions as to whether or not they should move on. But I think if they win this competition, I think no matter what happens from now at the end of the season, um, unless they somehow get dragged into a relegation fight, but I don't see that happen. But no matter what happens from now at the end of the season, he's going to be the manager next year if they win this competition. You know, I think for the stability of Chelsea, winning this is so significant. And I think it's it's a really, really big game for them. And I think in a lot of ways, I talked about the pressure being on Liverpool because they're expected to win the Cup year in Klossos game. But I think the real pressure is actually on Chelsea. They're the ones who've got real... Um, a real burden on their shoulders with this because it's also European football. You know, they're probably not going to get it through the league. This is a chance to get back into Europe. I was going to say that. That, that it does give them that, you know, important opportunity to, to get back into the Europa League next year as well by winning the competition. Um, how important is that in, you know, I mean, this is a youthful Chelsea side as well. In terms of them progressing uh, as a unit, you know, not just winning the cup competition being important for them, but, you know, for a, you know, a lot of that team, there would be a chance perhaps to get into Europe for the first time as well to test European football and everything else that comes with it. As you said, there is, you know, a lot on the line for a Chelsea side and, and it could make a success of a season that's otherwise been difficult. There, there's a lot on the line for it. But on that youth as well, just more importantly on the youth, it is a young Chelsea side. There are, you know, smatterings of very experienced players in there. You know, Ben Chilwell's won a Champions League. Raheem Sterling's done a lot in, in his career to get silver likewise as well. But dotted around him, and of course, Enzo Fernandez being one of the younger players, and he's played in the World Cup final and one young player of the tournament at the World Cup as well. So it's not exactly like he's lacking experience. But you look around some of the others, and this will be, you know, a, a big game on a big stage for them. Some of them might be experiencing it for the first time, definitely experiencing it for the first time in Chelsea colours. Could that inexperience perhaps, you know, across the board for Chelsea be, be something that maybe hampers them at the weekend? Or you know, is the you know the joyfulness of you saying that could spur him on and get the win? I think if you asked me this question before the Man City game at the weekend, I think I would probably say the inexperience could hurt them, particularly coming up against Liverpool, who are so ruthless in the attack. But when I saw them play at the Etihad and they managed to to grind out that one-one draw, I know Man City missed a lot of chances and Erling Haaland was not having the best of games. But fundamentally, they went there and they dug in. They got a goal. And they were able to to keep that Man City team to just one goal. And that showed to me that this team is progressing. I know there's been one step forward, two steps back for Chelsea all season. And I know that they're more than capable of losing a home game against Sheffield United. You know, I'm aware that that that's where this team is. But if they can mimic a lot of what they did last weekend against Manchester City, I don't think the youth and inexperience is necessarily going to hurt them. Because as you say, they do have some experienced players who are going to be on that pitch. I, I don't think that that's going to be a significant factor in this game because I've seen enough from Chelsea that they can, on their day, match the, the best teams in England. You know, they've got quality. We know they've got brilliant players across the pitch. We know they've got excellent footballers. And it's just been a case that they haven't been able to put it all together. If at the weekend they can put it together similar to like they did last weekend against Manchester City, they've got a really good chance of winning the game. And I think that that game will have given them a lot of confidence heading into this because if they went to the Etihad and got spanked 4-0, I think confidence would have been low. But the fact they went there, they dug out, they got the result, 
will give everyone at Chelsea real confidence that they can win this game at the weekend. Just finally on Chelsea, who is the danger man for them in this final? For me, it would be Cole Palmer because of how good he's been for them this season and, and it's been well documented uh, documented how good he has been of course if it follows suit um, in, in how it's been in previous cup finals recent cup finals we've seen Chelsea and Liverpool we could be going all the way on penalties and he's not looked too bad on those either so you never know it might come in handy there uh, once we've gone past 120 minutes and we have penalties again but who would be your if you're you know in the Liverpool defence who are you looking to stop at Chelsea who do you think you stopped to, to win it could it be Raheem Sterling as well you know a man for the big occasion previously and played on the biggest stages before one of the only players in that Chelsea team perhaps to have played in the, on the biggest stage before could he be the danger man perhaps against his former club as well I think in the forward line I, I would go with Raheem Sterling I think he's the the player that I would be worried about um, obviously he used to play for Liverpool as well so I don't know if he necessarily has a point to prove because that was so long ago but there is that little storyline there that he is a former Liverpool player but I think he's the one that I would worry about if I was Liverpool. You know, he's a he's played in a lot of big games. You know, he's he's scored a lot of important goals across his career. He's got a lot of experience. Um, one of the probably the most experienced player, or well, certainly second by Thiago Silva. Um, so a lot of experience there. But the other player I would worry about is Enzo Fernandez in midfield. You know, I think if he can take the game by the scruff of the neck and show what sort of player he can be, he can run the game for Chelsea and you know, really set them up, give them a, a platform to build on. And I think those two players, if, if Fernandez plays an excellent game and Raheem Sterling plays an excellent game, it'd be very difficult for Liverpool's makeshift team to to overcome that and win the game. Before we go this morning, uh, as, as Connor alluded to earlier on, we were going to talk about uh, our fondest memories of the Carabao Cup. And seeing as we teased it, I'll go first on mine. It does involve Tottenham's win way back in 2008. I'm going to sound very, very old here when I start to explain uh, why it's a fond memory for me. Uh, so we were away, I know it was a Sunday, but we were away on a school trip. Um, and we were getting the bus back uh, back home uh, after being away so no TVs couldn't watch it couldn't do anything and then back in those days as well it was like really hard to get we didn't have smartphones so it was hard to get the radio on your phone as well wasn't it someone had one of the uh, you know the, the newer models of phones um, where you could listen to the radio on it but you only had one headphone you couldn't play them out loud so you've got a group of about 10 lads huddled around this one bloke on the back of the bus there are Chelsea fans among us there's Tottenham fans among us me being from London of course that's what you'd expect and we're all dotted around Around. and the one lad who's trying to like relay it was almost like going back to the the kind of you know when your dad told you about listening to, to football uh, scores in the ground and how you used to see it on the radios and one person would be telling you what the score was as well it was like that kind of moment uh, on a bus um, and we got back just as extra time was beginning and rather than go home uh, one of our Tottenham supporting friends uh, lived around the corner so I ran back watched it with him um, and yeah, we watched the final then we saw Jonathan Woodgate heading the goal and of course it was brilliant and all worth it but yeah it was just such a weird and especially knowing how society is now and how you can just keep up to date with everything on the go and you don't need to be huddled around one lad with an earphone in trying to relay what was going on you know even as recent as 2008 you still had those experiences um, and yeah that, that's definitely one of my fondest memories of the Carabao Cup not just because of Tottenham winning it but because of the fact that you know it's, it felt like such a throwback at least to kind of bygone eras of, of just all huddling around one bloke and he was the one that could relay all the key information from the game 
it's funny how 16 years can change so much, isn't it? Now it wouldn't be, we watch that on Sky Go, wouldn't you? It wouldn't be a problem. Um, but for me, um, the 2014, obviously being a Sunderland fan, 2014, but I actually lived abroad that year. So being a Sunderland season ticket holder my whole life, I knew the year that I was moving abroad, they were going to reach a final or do something, mem- do like a Leicester and win the Premier League. No, that hadn't happened by that point, but that always was nagging in the back of my mind. And obviously we, we go to Old Trafford, we win, that game in the semi-final, which a game I would have been at had I been at home because, you know, go away games and whatnot. And we get to the final in, in a lot of ways, I didn't want Sunderland to win the Carabao Cup if I wasn't there. I thought of as selfish as that is, but that was in my head, knowing that my friends were there celebrating that day and I wasn't going to be there. Obviously it gets to the day and Fabio Marini puts you up and you want to win the game. Of course you do. Um, and then if anybody who remembers that game will know the phenomenal goal that Yaya Touré scored where he, I don't know if it was a cross. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he meant it. He bent one in the top corner though from about, in my head, the halfway line. I think it was probably about 30 yards. And then Nazri scored the second goal, I think, which was a, a stunning strike as well. So we got done by quality on the day. But there was a, a moment when Fabio Barini scored where it thought maybe... Maybe then, years of being a Sunderland fan and all the hurt with it was going to be worth it. Especially as well, because at the time, I don't know if you remember, but Sunderland actually were a bogey team for Man City going into that final. We used to always beat them at the stadium. Like we had a decent-ish record at the Etihad Stadium. So there was there was always that. But yeah, that, that was my, I suppose in a way, best memory. But in a way, a little bit glad that Sunderland didn't win because I would have hated myself if I'd missed some lift that trophy. Do you know what? I get the feeling that there's definitely perhaps maybe among the Liverpool uh, gathering that there might be some that have that same feeling. Don't want to miss out on potentially seeing Jurgen Klopp's last trophy win and they'd ordinarily be there if they were, you know, abroad or something. Um, but, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that kind of gets put to one side if you do end up winning the trophy. Kind of just to finish on as well, uh, a tradition as old as time here when it comes to big uh, game previews. Predictions for how it's going to go on Sunday. Uh, by the sounds of what you've said already this morning, you're very much hoping that we actually do finally see a goal in a cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to edge with Chelsea. I think they'll they'll win. I'm going to say I'm going to go for an interesting final. I'm going to say three two Chelsea in extra time. And for the essence of balance, I'll say 2-1 Liverpool, uh, just so that we can look fair on this podcast as well. Nothing to do with my dad being a Liverpool fan and me wanting him to be happy on Sunday and not miserable instead. Um, Of course, you can keep up to date with all the latest uh, around the Carabao Cup final, as well as all the Premier League action to come this weekend as well. And all the latest from the European competitions too. We have had Champions League matches this midweek. Arsenal not enjoying their trip to Porto. um, But of course, you can keep up to date with all latest from the world of football across the Daily Star, Daily Mirror and Daily Express websites. But for now, it's goodbye.